Thank you, everybody. Welcome to the Energy Newsbeat podcast. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. I got a little bit of a wild ride today for our podcast. I have Daniel Hood, and Daniel is a civilization cycles analyst. And a while ago, I had the geopolitical uh, futures. Uh, George Friedman on, and that went bonkers because people wanted to understand the geopolitical things going on. I've been reading and just giving a little bit of background on how I found you. I found you on LinkedIn, and we'll have your LinkedIn in in the background. So thank you, Daniel, for stopping by. Amen. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'll tell you what, we were just chit-chatting right before the podcast, and uh, you're amazing in your civilization analyst. Tell us what you do, because we got. I was like, wow, that's a new title. Right, yeah, so it's a cool title. So basically, what I do, I pretty much study the rise and fall of, of civilizations. And, wow. um, uh, and of course, you know, if, if we're talking about civilizations, we can, we can only talk about them in the context of what we see today uh, right. across the planet. And, and of course, what's happened historically. So when we think about civilizations, you know, we think about Greece, the city-states of Greece, so Athens, Sparta, um, right. we think about the Roman Empire, we think about the, the Caliphate, the Ottoman Empire, the British Empire, um, the Persian Empire, um, the, 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 and, and of course, we can't really understand everything taking place today without the, the context of, of, of you guys in, in the United States, the American empire, right? <laughs> uh, or or the, the, the kind of rules-based liberal in, international order. So that's what I do. It's really cool. You know, my, my background, um, I, I was a former uh, soldier in, in, in the British Armed Forces. So I was a young commander. So I nice. served before, during and after uh, 9-11. And, uh, you know, for me, that was probably the first uh, what I call meteor strike. Right. So this this kind of uh, wake up, really, that, that okay, think things are not not uh, you know, not not exactly what we thought they were after the fall right. of the USSR, right? And and uh, you know, we were kind of riding high, and and America was the unipolar unipolar order, and uh, and then nine eleven happened, and everything changed uh, uh, on on that mm-hmm. that terrible that terrible day. Um, so I was out in in Afghanistan. I, I was out uh, on the ground in in Iraq, and and. Already, you know, we we, we got to, to to see the 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 disconnect between what was actually going on on the ground versus what was being sent back to back uh, back back to our our capitals and and, and back to our nations in, in the US and and the UK. Um, and then let's see. And so after the, my military career, so I served for about about six years, and and uh, and then I uh, took some some qualifications in finance, and I ended up working in in the city in London. So I went from geopolitics into into finance and that was before during and after the 2008 global financial crisis so that was my second wow. meteor strike uh off the, the back the back of uh of, of 9-11 so those two events really peaked, you know heightened my senses um right. and then i i said okay things are not not uh you know things are not right there's something wrong with with our right. civilization and and maybe there are things going on that we don't we don't understand so i told you before before the the the, the, the your show started that you know when i was a younger kid i i first read um 
Thucydides, the history of the Peloponnesian War. So I must have been about 15. And uh, and that book blew my mind. You know, Thucydides was an Athenian general. Um, Athens had got gone up against Sparta and got their backsides kicked. And right. Thucydides was banished. And whilst he had time to really think about what was going on, he wrote the, these great insights right into civilizations and, and so on right. and so forth. And, and then that just, you know, your mind runs wild. You, you say, well, how can, you know, such a, an incredibly advanced civilization, democracy, philosophy, so on and so right. forth, suddenly fade away into obscurity. And, and then that leads you on to other questions. What? Wow, Roman civilization, a derivative of the Greeks and a trusting. So, so you just keep reasoning. You keep asking questions, questions. And then, you know, if, if you're really switched on, you begin to detect these patterns. You come across these great scholars, Thucydides, right. uh, Seema Khan, right? So, so you know, the, the Confucian scholar, um, Evan Khaldun, so the Mukadima, the, the Islamic scholar, and uh, Oswald Spengler, Germany. And you just go on and on and on and on. And, and before right. you know it, you've read so much, you... Uh, you you're at the the vanguard of of, of this subject and uh, and then you can start to see things and make contributions so that is how i ended up becoming a civilization cycles analyst <laughs> that's cool now on linkedin do you get a lot of backlash for some of your opinions uh, surprisingly i don't so it's very interesting i timed it perfectly um with this kind of stuff, what I've found is that, that there was the world before COVID and the lockdowns and oh, the world after. Yeah. So you tend to find that, you know, 9-11 was a tipping point in history. Um, you know, 2008 global financial crisis, tipping point right. in history. Brexit, tipping point. Donald Trump election, tipping point. Uh, right. And then we had coronavirus, the COVID and the lockdowns. And that was an enormous tipping point in history. And I think that right. a lot of people who perhaps were asleep or just didn't pay much attention suddenly thought, right. hang on, what, what we're now all over. I mean, all over the, the supposedly free Western societies were pretty much held at gunpoint if you walked out your front door. And maybe, the, the, you know, and you could see the kind of political divisions emerging with, with, with both camp pro, you know, lockdowns and against. And But I think a lot of people were traumatized by that event. Um, and then off the back of that, we end up with, uh, with this war in Ukraine. So since those two events, coronavirus and Ukraine, right. I've been a lot more proactive. And I'm very surprised. I've had very, very little pushback. In fact, I, I'm building a network wow. in, in the thousands. So I have nearly 12,000 who, who have you know, nice. followed me and added me. And um, and I, I'm, I believe in what's called the kind of alien methodology re-perspective or, or the autist methodology re-perspective. So you know, I, I tried to kind of take my brain out. Uh, Daniel, can you say, uh, sorry to interrupt, could you say that again? Because it sounded like you believe in the aliens coming in from the outside planet. What was this? Right. So, so was that I don't believe, yeah. So I don't believe in aliens and, and UFOs. Okay. But, but if, if you think about the mind, you know, you've got, I mean, if you think of the structure of the brain, you have two hemispheres, two distinct hemispheres. Right. So if you want to get a holistic view or an, a more accurate perspective of what's going on, um, I'm a big believer in this idea that you need to be using both hemispheres. If you're just using one hemisphere right. or the other hemisphere, you're only going to get partial reality, right? So if you want to understand the big picture, you've really got to use all of your brain, not part of your brain, right? But it doesn't stop yeah. there because there's a difference between perception and perspective. 
So perception is... Oh, nice. Yeah. So so perception is how we see the world, how we wish the world to be. It's our reality. But our reality and how we wish the world to be can be very different from how the world actually is, right? So if you want to get a better handle on what's actually going on, you have to literally have an out-of-body experience, pretend you are an alien looking down upon the planet and look at it from a different perspective. So so that's why I call it either the alien methodology or autists. You know, autists are very, they get to the truth of things, right? They just look at something and and they're able to to get to the bottom of of things, perhaps over those who maybe are a bit more emotional or a bit more biased. So I think if if you want to get to the truth of things and really figure out what's going on, um, you, you need to do those two things so think holistically or laterally as opposed right. to linearly and have this kind of outer body experience where you are you know almost neutral and you're just really trying to get a handle on what is and, it, and it's right. very powerful um a very powerful framework for for thinking you know i i love your i just i daniel i really love what you just said because if you use both hemispheres of your brain you're using the left and the right and uh, I'm almost ambidextrous because uh, I'm left-handed, but I'm also very creative, and I can think of all the different ways to make jokes on my wife. So, does that make me uh, very left and right-brained? If you're ambidextrous, right, right. Well, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think that you know, I think that it makes sense, doesn't it? Like I said, if you just look at right. the structure, if you look at the structure of the, the brain, you know, you've got these two hemispheres, and and you can have a dominant side and 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 a not so dominant side, and I think that. You know, certain brains are better able, you know, you want to eliminate blind spots, don't you? I, I think that, oh. that that's, the, you know, the brain is a sensing instrument. And, and in order right. to master the complexities, the incredible complexities of nature and, and the world, you really want to see things from many different perspectives. Um, right. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, in fact, if you go to, you know, if you want to be an intelligence officer, if you want to go work for the CIA or MI6 or Mossad right. or whoever, you know, whatever, and, and th- then these are the kind of insights into human nature and cognitive thinking and, and uh, right. psychology you will be taught, right? There's a difference between perception and um, and, and perspective. So, nice. um, so yeah, I, so so that's basically what, what and, I, and I think in order to be a good civilization cycles analyst, you need to have this ability to think laterally as opposed to linearly. Right? Are you left-handed? So um, I, I'm I'm actually right-handed, but I can use my my left hand if, <laughs> if I need to. But but I'm I'm my dominant side is is my right side. And, I was uh, watching your body language, Daniel, and for our podcast listeners. Uh, anytime you're moving your arm, talking uh, very much, your left hand was coming up always higher than your right hand. Right. So I love watching very much like investigators and everything else, body language. It is so fun to try to pick those things up. I guess bad. So uh, let's step back a sec, because when you and I were just uh, visiting in the world of geopolitical issues right now, the world of energy right now. Energy has changed society so much that energy is part of the economy. It's part of elevating poverty. Uh, It's part of geopolitical. People go to wars over energy. Britain, and then uh, right now, the U.S. has sanctioned Russia. Uh, They have weaponized the dollar in over-sanctioning. I mean, that's my opinion. Let's back up to Britain. 
Britain was the uh, gold standard. I mean, you know, the excuse me, the the world dollar standard. What were some of the things going on in the civilizations back then? Because we, you and I talked about U.S. and Britain are losing world influence right now. And when Britain lost some of that influence, what was going on there in that range? Does that make sense? Right. Wow. Okay. So, so there's some really big questions there. So you're right. <laughs> you know, it, you were. I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Jim Commodities Guru Jim Rogers. You know, he was really active, and right. so so he he used to he set up the Quantum Fund with George Soros, right? And and you know they 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 nailed it. And uh, in fact, I don't think Jim Rogers has spoken to to George. I don't think he's he's, a, he's particularly friendly with, with with George Soros anymore. But but you know, I think I think he's a great guy, and and he says it best, right? He says. You know, if you were smart in, in, let's say, the 19th century, you moved to London, right? If you were smart in the 20th century, you moved to New York. And maybe in the 21st century, it's not going to be London or New York, right? It's probably going to be somewhere east and we can kind of extrapolate and, and maybe... Goodbye. Yeah, just kind of have a think think about why that is. But you're right. Look, Britain, of course, was, you know, the British Empire reigned and ruled supreme, best scientists, you know, industry, business politic, you name it. And, and you know, that, that was off the, the, the back of, of many, many hundreds of years of, of democratic evolution, right? So mm-hmm. if you think, I mean, if you, you to, to really understand where Britain is today, where it was, you know, at, at its peak of empire, you can't, you've really got to go back to, I mean, I, I live in, in Lincolnshire, which not far from, from the Humber River, where the Vikings sail, sailed up, right? Oh, so, nice. Rome, you know, to think about it. So, you know, Roman civilization began as a kingdom on a hill, emerged into or transitioned into this sophisticated republic, went empire, and then just completely disintegrated, right? And and, and the Romans were here in Britain for nearly 350 years. And then around the fifth well, yeah. century, you know, they turned around and they said, okay, Britons, you guys are on your own. We are, <laughs> we're done with empire. And they're like, what are you talking about? You've been here for 350 years. And, and, you know, Western Rome had stood for a thousand years, right? right. So it stood for that. I mean, it was a huge cultural shock experienced by people of the ancient world when the Romans suddenly went away. Okay. Right. So Britain entered into a protracted dark age for 600 years. So we're talking, you know, the fall of Rome around 476 AD to the Battle of Hastings, the Norman Conquest. Right. Uh, we'd have to deal with, you know, the, we were having to, to deal with the Vikings for, for, for a few hundred years. Um, <laughs> Uh, and but that that kind of once we kind of started to pull out of the dark age era, we entered kind of medievalism. Things started to kind of settle down, and 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 it's interesting, you know. I, one of the things that I do as a civilization cycles analyst is we look at religions and we look at the power of religions and the mm-hmm. impact of religions. You know, if you think of politics downstream, you've got culture and below that you've got religion. It's usually religions that are powering civilizations at their right. core. And of course, the dominant religion of, our, of, of, of the West was Christianity. Right. Um, and it was Christianity that was working away, you know, within the communities, within the villages, so into mm-hmm. towns, et cetera. And, you know, Britain and Europe gradually started to recover. We entered the kind of Renaissance uh, period. We entered the Industrial Revolution, and it's interesting that I mean, I, I'm I'm born was born in Manchester, which was the birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. Right? Yeah. So, so if you look at it at Manchester at that time, um, and in fact in places like Oldham, that is where you saw you know the Victorian era or peak Christianity. 
So that was where Christianity was literally working at its peak powers. Wow. And whilst it was working at peak powers, you saw this corresponding boom in innovation, technology, industry. So we can show the correlation between this powerful cultural technology versus this physical manifestation of industry and technology and wow. railways and, and you know, theme and, and coal usage and so on and so forth. And this incredible explosion, which spread globally. Right. So the problem is that, again, you're not just looking at the rise of civilizations, but you're also looking at why civilizations fall or why they disappear or why they disintegrate. But right. most civilizations, it's rarely because of other external civilizations or forces. Most of these big, powerful civilizations like Britain always decline and implode from within. You, a wonderful explanation. Do you feel that it is once you remove the religion and the impact that it loses this the societal strength? Because I, I love studying religions. Uh, and when you take a look at the Muslim faith, uh, it was it still has it. It had its uh, startings in, uh, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, when you take a look at all of the how they got started and you take a look at the Jewish faith. Absolutely. Wonder, I love studying them. I love talking to everybody, uh, regardless of their faith. And then you take a look at how Christian those three are all related, uh, you know, in their beginnings. But like in the U.S., we have lost our Christianity. We have lost our path. The Muslim faith, the good Muslims that I know are great, great people. But there's a stigmatism with the not so good Muslims in in what they have done. You feel that, and I, I again, I, I do love everybody. I'm a humanitarian kind of guy, and I want to talk to everybody about their religion. But the dad's not in the homes. The not being now we have anarchy running around in and, uh, you know, the UK is the same way with a lot of that. Is it the miss of, of no matter what religion it is? Do you feel that that could be part of it? So, you know, we get, we're getting to the, to the root of it. So, you know, in order to study civilizations that rise and fall, you have to understand human nature, right? You can't right. disassociate the two, okay? So the rise and fall of civilization is based upon temperament, okay? In layman's terms, we can define that as character, attitude, right. okay? So temperament is the psychological and emotional foundations of personality, right? Underpins our behavior, virtues, vices, morals, ethics, even how we structure the economy and choose our governments, right. okay? It really shapes us and our culture right down to our DNA. So right. what tends to happen is that civilizations rise in working boot. You know, you've heard this phrase before, saying before, and they decline in kind of pink, fluffy slippers, right? So, you know, the young elder generations are working hard, right? And they're building and they're, they're working their backsides <laughs> off, you know, blood, sweat and toil, right? And, and they kind of build everything up and they hand it over. And, you know, let's face it, kind of my generation, Generation X and all of the younger generations, we've never had it as good. We've never had mm -hmm. it as good. We don't know how to struggle, how to suffer. Um, we don't really understand the meaning of it. And, and so wow. we've become very liberal because we've been so successful and all of the wealth generated. And, you know, if you think of kind of Western civilization, which is distinct from the modern West that we have today, 
versus, let's say, Greece or Rome. Right. So, right. you know, Greece was successful in its own right. OK, Rome took it to another level. We had a dark age. We had the medieval right. era. We had the Renaissance. Western civilization rose to prominence and dominance, right, way past the Chinese, uh, um, you know, which will come on, on to, to kind of Confucianism and, and what's happening to, to China da- downrange. So and then, you know, we have these terrible world wars. And, you know, you guys said, OK, right, this is insanity. This is madness. Um, we're taking over now. And, you know, we're going to just kind of put put our own rules in and we're right. going to try and take things to the next level. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the, the, the liberal right. world order was insanely successful. But the problem is when you become incredibly wealthy and you see the dense urban cities, you know, you look at New York with millions and millions of people living on top of each other. You've got all of this wealth. At some point, that wealth and that urbanization is going to impact how you think, feel, and behave, right? So in the 60s, there's a very famous uh, scientist, a, a biologist called John Calhoun, and he ran a series of experiments in the 60s called uh, and in fact, these experiments were, were, were nicknamed Mouse Utopia. So he simulated a Mouse Utopian society, like any city that we would find in London, in New York, in wherever, right? Paris, right. et cetera, et cetera. And within a very short space of time, you know, the, the mice had were disease-free, predator-free. Um, they had uh, luxury apartments to live in. They had... Right abundance of food they could mate whenever they wanted and they did that and their population exploded but the problem is once their population exploded uh their character their temperament changed and things started to go into reverse and this is without any external um impact or influence and their population just crashed and they burn out that was it they just wiped themselves out right and and so yes you you shouldn't extrapolate too much you can't say well that's what's gonna just because that happened to mice that's gonna happen that, that you know that's the same phenomenon that's happening right. but there are some scientists and there are some suggestions that you know what maybe this kind of behavioral sync phenomenon is happening to us right it happened right. to britain it's happening to you guys in 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 america you you know you go to some of these cities now and again i don't want to get involved in the politics and and right we're just trying to you know, we're trying to be, like I said, these aliens, these autists, we're just literally trying to find out what's actually going on in reality, right. like independent from whether you're on the blue tribe or you're the red tribe. It's just right. what is going on. And so, you know, if you can see these cycles of civilizations, you can also see art, right? And if you think about it, most normal people who are just living their lives, they don't think about anything going on past their own lifetime. Right. So they don't really, you know, maybe they'll, you know, if you think about cycles, breathing cycles, sleep cycles, calendar cycles of weeks, months, years, but they're not at all familiar with any cycle that extends beyond their lifetime. And therefore they can't see arcs either. But obviously, as you know, if you study any empire and you go back, you know, can look at a histo map of 4,000 years, you'll see that every, no civilization has made it. Right. They, all cycle and every empire arc. So if if our theories are correct, because this is the whole point, it's what's the point of being a civilization cycles analyst? Well, the whole point is that we can make predictions in the future based on what's happened historically, right? right. And we're trying to make really accurate predictions. So to, to answer the question, I we 
you know, many suspect, and there are many scholars that have really attempted to tackle kind of this niche for thousands of years. You know, some of us believe that maybe we can see these other signs that are becoming clear now. And, and, and you know, th- this kind of, we can see these, these problems within civilization and interestingly between civilizations, which forms the basis for geopolitics, right? So we can actually right. look at the map and the global map and we can see what's happening in Ukraine. We can see what's happening maybe in Southeast Asia, in the Middle yep. East. So I think the framework, the best framework, because, you know, everybody can sense there's this disturbance in the force, but they're not able to make sense of it. And that's what we come in, right? So we say, look, here's a framework within which hopefully you can make sense. This idea that, you know, the the West has ruled supreme for 400 years, right? So prior to that that, that period or, or Europe kind of dominating, it was China. And then all of a sudden, Europe overtook China and the Chinese were like, wow, like these guys were living in mud huts and dark age conditions. And then all of a sudden they overtook us. And in fact, the the CCP, the, the, the Communist Party of China, maybe 20, 30 years ago, they tasked their social science teams, scientists with figuring out why it was that Europe overtook China rising to power and prominence. Right. And. When they reverse engineered our civilization, you know, at first they said, we thought it was your politics, we thought it was your military, we thought it was your technology. And then they said, we we realized we got it wrong. For the past, you know, 10 years, 20 years, we've realized it was your social fabric and foundation for life. It was Christianity, which is an incredible realization, right? So if you you think today in the liberal world, we we don't need religion it's this ancient relic it's patriarchal right, right? It, it's useless and um, you know we we've got it all figured out we don't need god god is for weak people um and i i i there's a good case to be argued that maybe the foundations therefore of our of our civilization are not as secure now as we perhaps thought they were and we've left ourselves dangerously vulnerable right mm-hmm. and, and um so you, I can see these clear parallels with maybe the Western Roman Empire, right? When you look at maybe America as the spearhead of civilization, you can kind of see this same cyclical phenomenon playing out. So the key or the challenge or, or you know, is to try and figure out, is this cycling phenomenon actually happening to us? And where right. on the cycle, where on the cycle and what, what does it mean, right? Um, right relative to other civilizations who are also going through these kind of, kind of same processes. So it, right. it's, it's never ending. It's incredible. You know, there's so much material to look at. And if you think about it, there are seven key areas that shape the fate of any civilization. And of course, the first one is family. So right. you know, Appling, we, we spoke briefly about, about the, the, the nuclear family. Can we see any problem right. you know, in that, that area? Uh, education. How's the educative system doing? Britain right. in America, is it are we producing enough scientists and engineers or social media influencers and superstars, right? Relative to maybe other civilizations who right. are, are trying to, to get ahead. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at arts and entertainment. We're looking at uh, the business community, the corporate world. We're looking at government, right? We're looking at media. Do we trust our mainstream media outlets today? Uh, are they giving us misinformation, disinformation, good information? So 
like I said, it, it's a, it, we are like an early warning radar, you know, nice. in, or sociological seismologists. So one of the two. And we're just trying to make forecasts and predictions. Um, they're not always accurate. We don't get it right. But that's the fun. Here we are having this conversation, trying to oh, make yeah. sense of, of what's going on. So okay. I just love talking about this kind of stuff. And, and let's talk about. Uh, energy as a, as a whole has helped society elevate out of poverty. And you take a look at the Industrial Revolution. It was coal and steam and all of that. And then that migrated. Uh, we were killing the whales for whale oil. And then, you know, oil saved the whales. Um, as we take a look at Energy has been so important. It's affected everything. It's affected uh, your comment was wonderful about the generations. My granddad came in on a covered wagon and he was in the Oklahoma land rush. My dad did not have a indoor bathroom until he was 16. He had an outhouse. They were farmers. They, they were not wealthy. And then you take a look at me and my kids, you're describing that, and my business partner is a millennial. He's one of the hardest working millennials I've ever met in my life. He's a rarity for other millennials that I have dealt with. I'm a baby boomer. I could retire, but I'm having too much fun. Now, right. you described everything right along, and the millennials, the Gen Z, I'm afraid of. Um, now let's go to the energy side. That wasn't a bad analogy, was it, Daniel? No, that's I mean, great, great, uh, great, great analogy. <laughs> and, and so, okay, so let's go to energy. You know, I, I firmly believe that the Ukraine uh, war, Russia, and and the UK, uh, um, Germany, and the rest of the EU had failed in long term contracts on natural gas. And so Russia took advantage of that. And so, you know, the fluctuation and the energy prices on natural gas and everything else. And then we have, so all of this comes in. NATO is being really, really pit uh, political in there. Russia, and there's, I don't want to get into Ukraine and the U.S., but there's appears to be a lot of corruption, you know, and funding of weapons labs, if all this comes true. I, I can't blame Putin. I don't approve of Putin, but I can't, you know, he's taking care of Russia first. Now, is he a good guy? No, I think he's pretty evil, but he's taking care of Russia first. Dropping over to Saudi Arabia, I applaud the Saudi leadership because they're funding their green and and initiatives, and they think in years and decades, very much like the Chinese, they think years, decades, and the Americans only think every two years. And I mean, we are so short-sighted, we are idiots. And, and, and so when you take a look at Saudi Arabia, they're phenomenal with thinking in the long term. Now, do I agree with everything they're doing? No, do I? But they are doing Saudi Arabia first, and so where do you see? Um, and I and I we haven't talked about this, but the decline of the British pound, and then you take a look at the uh, U.S. dollar. Is I think it's teed up to go away. I mean, it will no longer be the international standard. And people were saying, ah, it's going to be years. 
I think that the weaponization of all of the sanctions that the idiots at our leadership have been doing is forcing BRICS. You know, you have Brazil, India, uh, China, South America, and you have uh, all of that kind of stuff. So they're meeting, I believe, next week and so uh, or the week after, and they are bringing out a gold standard. The U.S. went out a bazillion years ago under Nixon. We got rid of the gold standard. We've been printing money ever since, and you can't print money. So I, I guess my real question is energy, uh, forward thinking, where do you see the U.S. losing so much of its power uh, with the dollar going away? The dollar is going to lose. It's already happening to the U.S. You know, in crude oil. Uh, is no longer uh, people are going around the U.S. oil dollar, and they're going around. Uh, you know, they're now trading in uh, rubles and yuan and and all that. And I mean, BRICS is gathering steam. What do you think about BRICS and accelerating that? Right. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot, lot to <laughs> so so let let's so let's oh, comp- sorry. Okay. So, so let's let's compartmentalize. So let's separate. And these are great questions. The energy dimensional component to civilizations is really important, okay? And I want to make a distinction for your audience between the impact energy has on our modern advanced civilization versus the civilization cycle. The civilization cycle simply means, you know, we are the common denominator, right? So throughout history, and in fact, you know, slavery was a form of energy, right? Until we steam coal. That's why all of these empires and civilizations long before the West came along had slaves. They basically were coal, oil and gas and fossil fuels. Right. So it's really interesting because you have this forces of the civilization cycle. We will cycle biologically. It's an innate thing. And that's just always going to happen. Environment, child rearing, pattern strategies uh, and cultural technologies really impact the fate of civilizations. But energy in our modern world is a really important thing. You know, if you look at population growth just over the last 200 years, Right. It's literally vertical. So we went from, you know, look at 10,000 years of, of population growth. We right. were kind of trundling along. We were kind of living in line with our access to energy resources. And, you know, we harness steam, coal, and then boom, right? We literally go vertical. We go from 1 billion to 8 billion people on the planet. Okay, so this is a huge, huge Huge, whichever way you look at it, this is exponential growth on steroids squared. Okay. And that was only because of fossil fuels. So cheap, right. easy access, energy dense coal, energy, de- uh, energy de- dense oil, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, right. uranium, um, uh, uh, gas. So in order to power our, just to stand still, for example, in the United States, as you know, you guys are kind of plowing through what, maybe 18, 19, I, I don't know what the specific figures are now, a million barrels of oil per day, right? Every right. day, just to stand still, okay? That's without any additional development, right? Um, the world probably consumes somewhere in the region of maybe 90 to 100, maybe 100 million barrels of oil a day. Yeah, okay, About 100, and it's going up. Right. Renewables. Right. China now is set to 
come up to parity with your economy, you know, you're turning over, you know, you're generating trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. The Chinese are also plowing through enormous quads. So between you and China, you're taking maybe like somewhere in the region of maybe 40% to 50% of the world's total supplies of oil, right? It's it's right. so what's what's the point that I'm I'm getting at? The, the, you know, when you look back at the 2008 global financial crisis and you ask many analysts and researchers and experts and economists and you ask them what was it all about? The conventional answer will be you know what? It was a subprime crisis, right? Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, you know, they, they were lending out oh, yeah. mortgages to people. But actually, the unconventional explanation, you can actually go back to around 2005. And you'll remember when um, I think it was Brent crude reached about 140, what was it? $148 a barrel. Right. right? That was the first, as far as I'm concerned, that was the first, as an analyst, that was the first warning shot across the bow of civilization, of our modern advanced oh, civilization. Yeah. If you think about it, those kind of high energy prices targeted the weakest points of the economic system. The financial system merely masks the finite physical nature of the world that we live in, right? right. We've got so sophisticated in London, in New York, on Wall Street, we've built these layers upon layers of financial products and systems and services and solutions right. and derivatives. But really, fundamentally, what matters is food <clears throat> and energy, right? food and energy and water. And that's how it's always going to be. So it's interesting to me that with such high energy prices, what it was signaling, the economy was signaling, look, we can't cope with such high energy prices. Something's got to give. It was right. the subprime market led to the 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 the, the implosion of you know the, the shadow bank, the entire shadow banking system, Ben Bernanke, we all remember it well, etc. That kind of kind of just it was like the world was ending, right? And we never really recovered from that. And in fact, the only reason that we did recover was because you guys innovated and you say, hey, we can now actually, you know, through fracking and innovative oil extraction right. methodologies and technologies, and you had the Canadian tar sands. So to my mind, this signaled that my we're not just eating, you know, we're not just scraping the barrel. Maybe we're eating the barrel, right? Maybe that's what it what it signifies. That's what it signals. So to me, that that was like, you know, a, a, the first warning shot across our bow that maybe something was going on in, in the energy market. Then on top of that, you have this whole kind of climate change debate and phenomenon going on. Right. Which, again, it's a kind of partisan issue. If you're part of the blue tribe, you're all in on climate change. If you're part of the red tribe, it's like, hey, this is all nonsense. Right. Maybe the truth is somewhere in between. Again, if you're kind of thinking holistically, maybe Elon, Elon Musk says it best. Right. So he says, you know, maybe we're changing the composition of the atmosphere in ways we've yet to fully comprehend. It's reasonable. We went from a billion people to 8 right. billion people in the last 200 years alone. We, we need an enormous amount of fossil fuels just to maintain, you know, uh, kind of our advanced and, and modern lifestyles. Right. And, and it's incredibly, as you know, incredibly energy intensive, like incredibly energy intensive. And, right. and you know, can we sustain our modern civilizations on solar, on wind power? You know, it's taken us 200 years or so to kind of build this fossil fuel, industrial, technological, informational economy. If we start kind of messing with these foundations, can we change in time? Have we left it too late? Are we doing enough? Are we moving too hard? 
now right. we've got this net zero phenomenon, right, where Western governments have set themselves by law these really, really, really um, stringent targets. And the right. question is, you know, is that based, you know, are we moving in the right direction based on reality? Um, you know, how, like, th- this is the, d- the debate I have with, with a lot of people. And, and my fear is that both can be true. You can agree that maybe we're changing the composition of the atmosphere in y- ways that we've yet to fully comprehend. Right. Fossil fuels are also critical, mission critical to our to everything. I mean, if, if you, as you know, in, right. especially in, in your energy show, you know, everything requires a form of fossil fuels. Right. All our goods, all our services, our food. I mean, you know, 40 percent of food production globally needs fertilizer. Right. So th- this is my 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 greatest concern is that that. Now that you, you kind of bring in the geopolitical dimension, okay, um, you guys, if it really hit the fan, you've got enough reserves to kind of fall back on, right? So you can experiment with maybe the whole clean tech kind of EVs and solar and wind and so on and so forth. And if it all goes wrong, you've got resources to kind of fall back on. Britain, we've kind of expended a lot of the North Sea oil, Right. Um, Europe is in real trouble, right? And, right. you know, Europe's like in, they've really got like, the, the continent has got enormous questions to basically uh, to, to, to right. answer. And maybe this conflict in Ukraine has now kind of, you know, compounded the challenges and problems um, because, you know, Russia was a, a main supplier of, of, of natural gas. Right. So I, I think that, you know, and, and let's let's be clear that maybe, you know, when we talk about the European Union, to my mind, Germany is the European Union, right? So if Germany is going to deindustrialize because of its energy crisis, you know, you cannot defy the laws of physics, as you know, energy, laws of physics, right? You, energy return on energy investment, if it's falling, then, you know, you stand a very, very low chance yeah. of ma- maintaining You're- Oh, Daniel, all of your spot, all of your comments are spot on. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, or yeah, a couple of weeks ago, whatever it was, month, uh, Germany shut down their last two nukes. Uh, last week, there were things coming out saying that now Germany is importing so much of France nuclear uh, energy. Germany is building their LNG imports for the U.S. Spain is now the largest uh, new, uh, LNG importer. You nailed everything in there. So, you know, hats off to you for saying all of that stuff that you just nailed. Sorry for giving you a compliment, but holy smokes, you're you're on target on all of this stuff. Right, right. So, so you know, I think so. The energy dimension is, you know, as a, somebody who studies civilizations, civilizations, you know, energy is the thing that powers civilization. It was Bill Gates right. that actually, you know, said that, and 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 he's right. It's like whatever we do, we need consistent, stable supplies of energy, and right. you know, otherwise we cannot defy the laws of physics. So, you know, even now, for example, in Africa, we can start to see. Um, you know, so so the, there are conflicts in the Sahel region now. So again, these are part of this wider geopolitical confrontation, this clash of civilizations, right? And and you know, France is getting really nervous because you know maybe twenty percent of its uranium, for example, is coming from the Niger region. 
And obviously now you've got this new, this coup. And, and, you know, this is another thing, by the way, that we predict. So because of the, really, if you think of the United States, I, I'd argue that, you know, let's look at the current kind of clash of civilizations and, and um, this, this kind of, kind of challenge to the liberal, the rules-based liberal international order. So maybe Vladimir Putin is to the rules to the liberal world order what Donald Trump was to America they were both they were both wrecking balls right so yeah Donald Trump came along he was a symptom not I don't believe Donald Trump was the cause of, of all of the problems I think he was a symptom right in the same way that our equivalent in the United Kingdom was brexit there was this frustration that made oh, nice. globalization and West and universalism right. it wasn't you know, it, not everybody was being lifted up by it. And, and maybe there was a segment of, you know, the kind of city class, the cosmopolitan class that were kind of running away and, and you know, having a great time around the world. And then you had the kind of bulk of the population, which was left behind. Right. right. So so it, to me, the kind of, you know, the, the Vladimir Putin phenomenon, the Donald Trump phenomenon, the Brexit phenomenon, the kind of, sim- the, the, the kind of symptoms are the same problem. But the problem with Ukraine is that, you know, if, if you think about it, kind of you had COVID, coronavirus, you know, the, the, right. Joe Biden was, was was parachuted into into Washington, into, into into the White House, the executive branch. And right. then you ha- had, you know, th- this kind of tensions kind of building again in, in Ukraine, in the Donbass between, you know, Zelensky, between the, the, the Ukrainians and, and, and the ethnic and kind of the Russians, the Russian speaking population. Um, and I actually predicted, I, I said, you know, now that, that Joe Biden is, is kind of in power, I wonder if Ukraine to me just seemed like the most likely hotspot. I had no idea how bad a hotspot it would become. And then I also predicted if that's true, we're likely to see accelerating inflation. Right. And and to me, this is a kind of energy triggered, energy triggered inflation. Um, and I'm not it doesn't surprise me that the Federal Reserve was panicking. You know, the Federal Reserve was forced to basically slam on the brake and no one was wearing any seatbelts. Right. We've all gone crashing through. And, and if you look at how quickly they raised interest rates and, and to the level, it's just it's never before in history has interest right. rates been raised so quickly. So. As you know, it's there's always a lag. It's always a year or two years down the road before we really feel the impacts. Okay, and it's right. still not solved the problem of inflation. Inflation is still running away. So, how much more of this can we take over the next few years? And my my greatest fear is that because of the energy challenges that we're facing, and and certainly in Europe, definitely in Britain. I mean, in the last you know two to three months. Food prices have gone up by nearly 20, 30 percent. Right. right? It's, it's, it's so there's a phenomenon in Britain, in Europe called shrinkflation. Right. So food products are getting smaller, but it's because they're becoming more expensive. Right? And, right. And how long can that go on for before, you know, products start to vanish off the shelves because all prices have to just keep going up and up and up. So so right. it's a huge social problem that I see on the horizon. And I think that, like I said, it, it's this has been going on anyway. So even before the crisis in Ukraine, you had this whole net zero push, which is going to add a premium. You know, if we're going to move away from fossil fuels and, and we're going to try and make these transitions, Things and things are going to. There's going to be a premium. There's going to be a cost, and things right. are going to get more expensive. So, 
I wonder whether, you know, we've literally reached the end of the, the kind of peak of our civilization. You know, it was Emmanuel Macron that kind of said it. He said, look, you know, you've got to be prepared for the reality is that the good times are, are, are coming to, to an end and you don't know how good you've had it. And, right. and, uh, and, and so that's what we're looking at. We're kind of just look, looking at what's happening within civilization and between civilizations. You know, and that's before we talk about China, right? We've not even got to, to China and what's oh, no. going on with, with you know, kind of, kind of with, with, with their civilization. And, and holy uh, smokes! So, so it's these are probably the most exciting times to be alive, especially if you're interested in civilizations and historical tipping point. Right. Um, and I think that the party is only getting started, right? So. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I, like I said, it, it's, and that's why on my LinkedIn profile, I have kind of the Titanic and, and the art, right? So what we're trying to find out is, okay, who's the Titanic and where's the art, right? There's two beautiful ships there. Great point. Right? Yeah. So, so, you know, imagine you're at the port, you've got this kind of wooden boat and you've got the Titanic Let's be honest, most of us will get on the Titanic, hey, right? And and this invincible and sinkable ship, and it's sunk on its maiden voyage. And, and then later, even 100 years later, the Titan then implodes as it's going down. So no lessons were learned, right? And that's why history is so well, important. Because and, and understanding God, uh, because the ark was God-influenced, uh, I mean, there is the difference right there. The Titanic was man-influenced. And the ark, you know, when God told Noah, hey, Noah, go build the ark. <laughs> right. So so what's interesting, you know, I I I I mean my my grandparents were Church of England, but my you know, my dad, he he was atheist, right? He said, right. Hey, you know, like after World War One, baby boomer, you know, he's like, we got it all figured out, you know, someone must be lying, it's all a load of rubbish, don't worry about it, fine. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are kind of just starting to say, hey, you know what, maybe there's a lot of wisdom in these old books. And, and you know, if we just kind of open them up and you start to read about and learn about human nature and you say, wow, these things have happened before. And, and so that's why I use this kind of arc analogy, because I think there's a lot of wisdom. I call it there's a difference between liberal logic and biblical wisdom. Right. You, you, you know, I have a problem with liberal logic in, in that. You know, Thomas Cole kind of alluded that, you know, he, he was a, a very famous English-American painter in the 19th century, and he actually painted the course of empire, right? I don't know if you remember these oh, five yeah. oil, on, oil on canvas painting series, beautiful pictures in New York, in Manhattan, I think they are. And um, he basically saw what I what we study, what we talk about in books. He actually painted this out, the course of empire, these stages. Wow. So you can imagine that, you know, America and its ascendancy, no one was thinking about kind of the fall of civilizations. You guys were saying, hey, now it's our turn in the sun. We're rising. You kicked the British out. You declared independence in your rights at 1776. But, you know, you guys kind of have been a, a, a representative, or, you know, a kind of republic, a democracy for, you know, coming up to what, 247 years, right? 1776, 2023 right. is 247 years. So, if you start to study kind of some of these cycles theories, you can get some really, really powerful predictions of what may be about to happen. It's not ordained, right? Oh. So it's not, we're not, we're not no, saying, yeah. and that's yeah. the key. It, it's never ordained. It's, you know, sometimes, you know, you kind of read these history books and you go back and, and you almost feel like a bit of a spectator, right? So you're just oh, watching, yeah. 
everybody make these same mistakes repeatedly over and over again. So there are so many different dimensions that we can go down and but energy is a big big one that needs to be watched right. very carefully um we if we get it wrong with energy as you know um then right. it's it we, we the, the ramifications of that are severe uh, i got two things um we're just about out of time but uh daniel i want you back i want to finish our conversation i'm enjoying this way too much and uh, this is just cool. I think this is going to be fabulous for our uh, channel listeners and everything else. You brought up a fantastic point with uh, inflation, the Fed trying to solve it. In my opinion, everybody's saying you just got to raise the interest rates in order to try to solve inflation. You have the jobs. Our jobs numbers in the U.S. is is very low. Well, there's a abnormal number of people having to have two jobs. And because they have two jobs, it's giving a false number. I believe, in my personal opinion, the only way that we can solve the inflation issue is to get energy under control. The only way that we can do that in, in lowering the interest rate, stimulate business, lower taxes, and then in, and really price out and get the lowest kilowatt per hour, as you and I talked just before the show, lowest kilowatt per hour to all people of the planet to eliminate energy poverty, and it has to be the least amount of impact on the environment with um, the um, no printing of money. Well, I think we ought to use renewable, but we can't print money. We got to let the markets decide. Right. So all that being said, I think that we are in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's it's look, you know, you guys. I, I mean, America is the largest detonation in the history of the world, right? Um, Britain is also an enormous. We used to be creditor nation, right? And and now the, right. the roles have reversed. Okay, so you know, China also has its own problems. I mean, they, they you know, we have this whole dimension with with, with oh, United yeah. States, China and. Um, you know, I think that we're that there is an enormous amount of global debt, and I think that at its heart is, and I agree with you, we have a serious energy problem, right? A severe, and and it's getting worse and worse and worse because we have to find ever greater. If the population, the world population, is growing, we've got to find more and more energy. It's got to be cheap. It's got to be easy right. access, and you know. We cannot defy the laws of physics, right? We we are bound by our availability of energy resources. So I think the most important, yeah, yeah, listen, it's a problem. The civilization cycle is a huge problem because our temperamental set point as a species is very low, right? We want to be hunter-gatherer. That's our default setting. And it doesn't take much of an environmental kind of shakeup to send us flying back in the wrong direction. Oh, now, yeah. The problem is, the problem with that is, if we go back towards hunter-gatherer direction of travel, you know, unfortunately, we don't have the brain power that we need to handle incredible complexity. We need smart scientists, right. engineers, um, business innovators, entrepreneurs, right? So anything that undermines that, you know, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to maintain civilization sitting on the internet, social media influences. That ain't going to cut it, right? So it's a double whammy. We have an energy challenge, energy crisis. We have a debt crisis. It's a triple whammy. And we also have this kind of cycling phenomenon. So wow. listen, it, it's the, the next couple of decades, I think, are going to be insane. Things are going to manifest. And I'm not <laughs> smart enough to predict how things are going to unfold. 
Um, no. what, I, what I can say, there's a difference between hope and faith and optimism. Spengler called optimism, Spengler used to mock kind of this idea of, of being optimistic. He actually called optimism um, cow, cowardice. It's just basically another way of cowardice. But right. hope and faith is different. I think that we need to be anchored in reality. We need to accept and to, to kind of face these problems head on. And we need a heck of a lot of hope and faith, which is where maybe kind of the old religious book are quite useful. So, you know, instead of being atheistic, maybe it's better to be agnostic and just be open minded. You know, you don't have to kind of return to the Bible, but just be I think it's always good to be open minded. Remember at the beginning, you know, two hemispheres of the brain and just kind of step out of of your your kind of cocoon, uh, mental cocoon or mental prison. So um, (laughs) I I am a big, you know, we we need clean technology, but it really it's just it's we need to find, you know, kind of like I said, these energy sources that are, that are, you know, if we can I mean, if we can find an energy source that surpasses the energy dense, rich fossil fuels we've been used to, it's the holy grail. Right. Right. That's the question. That's the genuine question. It's can we do better than fossil fuels? Um, and and so we're we're going to that question will be answered, I think, soon. <laughs> um, Daniel, thank you so much for stopping by the podcast. I have about another six hours to talk to you about, and I'd love to have you back next month and kind of f- pick up our conversation. How do people contact you, and what are the kinds of things that people can use you as a resource? Right. Uh, so, so um, right now, I'm just on on. I use LinkedIn quite a lot. I think you know there's quite kind of good standard of, of of kind of people on on that network, and um, that's about the only social media that I do. Um, okay. So if you have a look at me there, you know, just kind of put put the link in and uh, and just you know join the network. I call it the network, and you know we kind of look at. Uh, we're looking at past, present, future and um, trying to make okay. sense of it. It's a, a great crowd. It's people from all over the world, all different cultures. So, um, you know, we're, we're just trying yeah. to kind of get to the truth of things, right? And uh, so that's where you'll find me on on LinkedIn. And uh, Fantastic. We'll have that in the show notes. And uh, I hope you can come back soon because I've got about another hour to talk to you on everything else because I'm not done with you. Sorry about that. But I just thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me.